You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off this week. After six days of sunny, warm weather, it's right about that time Metro Vancouverites begin to complain about the heat. The last couple of days of rising temperatures now prompting a heat warning. Our Grace Key joins us live at Kitts Beach now with more on how people are coping. Grace? Yeah, it is packed here at Kitts Beach. And I got to tell you, there is a great cool breeze coming in right now. A lot of people trying to find ways to beat the heat today and stay safe. It appears the heat proved too much for one elderly woman waiting in line for a whiff of Uncle Fester, the corpse flower at Vancouver's Bloedel Conservatory. An ambulance was called after people in line say she collapsed. Water? With wait times about two hours, workers were handing out cups of water, trying to keep everyone hydrated. I can't fill the cups fast enough, so I'm doing my best. Environment Canada has issued a heat warning for much of Metro Vancouver and temperatures are expected to reach into the low 30s. During the heat wave, the city of Vancouver has set up eight temporary water fountains in specific locations that benefit the elderly, young and homeless. It's amazing because, I mean, they're all over and uh, I do a lot of walking in the city. So it's nice to not have to pay for my drink every time I get thirsty. Doctors say it's important to be a step ahead when it comes to keeping cool, and that means planning out your day. So any activities that will require being outdoors, trying to keep those to the cooler hours, seeking cooler temperatures during the day, whether that's through home if there's air conditioning, uh, workplaces, public spaces like libraries and community centers. While many were finding ways to take shelter from the sun, others met it head-on. Under the scorching heat, hikers took on the 2.2-kilometer Coquitlam Crunch, one step at a time. It's not so much that it's fun, but we're just beginner hikers, and it's a good mm -hmm. starting hike. Do you get any enjoyment out of that? No. Do you ever? <laughs> it's a nice day, though. It's a good time to get out. And for some, it just wasn't hot enough. At Kitts Beach, one woman all the way from Houston thought it was the perfect weather, a touch on the cool side. This is This is actually a little cold for me. As you can see, I've got my cardigan on. So. Now, a lot of the communities are providing services for people to keep warm. In the city of Vancouver, for instance, uh, they are offering uh, cooling centers. These are air-conditioned uh, community centers and libraries. The downtown east side community centers also have water and sunscreen for some of the hom homeless and vulnerable in that area. They're also mapped out on the city's website, so you can check those out as well. Sophie? All right. Clearly, we're not used to the heat. Thank you, Grace. Meteorologist Christy Gordon has a look at just how hot it got and when there might be some relief. Christy? Thanks, Soph. And although these temperatures aren't in general rare for this time of year, we have broken a number of records. Hot spots across our area, East Metro Vancouver through the Fraser uh, Valley in the low 30s. Now, these temperatures are a good 10 degrees above average for this time of year. Hot spots on the island, along the east coast and inland sections, Port Alberni hitting 35 degrees. The Sea to Sky Corridor also hot, but the hottest conditions were in through the Fraser Canyon area and also down towards Pemberton, where they hit 38 degrees, a good 12 degrees above seasonal for this time of year. Hotspot in the province, though? trail hitting 39 degrees. Now, as I said, we will have some relief. Tomorrow, there will be the start of it, but the real relief will happen Wednesday through Thursday and Friday, but then we'll rebound, so just in time for the weekend. 
It's all about timing. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Well, the fire danger rating, or another way of looking at it, the risk of a wildfire starting, currently ranked moderate to high for most of the province. There are 57 fires burning across B.C., six new fires today. Fire officials say three to five of those are human-caused, two caused by lightning. In a typical year, approximately 40% of wildfires in B.C. are caused by people. Well, we are hearing tonight from the man at the center of an alleged racist confrontation at a Surrey pool. A resident of a condo complex feels her family was singled out because of the color of their skin. Well, tonight, the Strata member involved told his side of the story to our Paul Johnson. How it was approached, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best. Colin Goss today is frank about how things went at this Surrey swimming pool last week. They went poorly, and he wishes he could set it straight. It was simply a misunderstanding. I, I, I don't hold anything against her to, to feel that it, it may have been racially motivated. It, it is not, but I understand. Goss is on the strata of the complex that owns the pool. In the hot weather, they're vigilant about unauthorized people sneaking in for a swim. Somehow, he says, he mistook resident Gerda Henry and her family for trespassers. I saw them go up to the clubhouse and scan in. Now, I didn't recognize any of them. I was here with my 13-year-old daughter and my one-year-old that had to witness this. Only us. Can you imagine? Only us were asked to show ID. That escalated into a thicket of suspicion and accusation, with Goss confronting them even after the pool staff had already done so. It left Henry and family wondering why they were the only ones questioned that day about access to their own pool. I cried all yesterday afternoon, and I woke up this morning crying. As for Henry... She told us Monday she doesn't accept his apology and believes there was no way this was a misunderstanding. Goss says his intention now is to resign from the strata unless he's forgiven by Henry. And while he says there was no racial component to his actions, he feels awful they felt singled out because of their skin color. I think it's terrible what she's gone through in the past because that's bullshit. Paul Johnson, Global News. The former Mountie who tasered Robert Jakansky at YVR is dropping his appeal of his perjury conviction. Back on October 14, 2007, an agitated Jakansky was tasered five times just minutes after Constable Quasi Millington and three other officers arrived at YVR. Millington was convicted of perjury in 2015 for lying in his sworn testimony before the Braidwood inquiry. He was sentenced to 30 months in jail. He had been appealing that sentence, but now has decided to abandon that appeal. A disgraced former Vancouver police officer back in court today for sentencing in his breach of trust and sexual exploitation trial. Jim Fisher pleaded guilty to three charges back in March. Jill Bennett tells us why Crown Counsel is seeking jail time for the former detective. The Crown wants Jim Fisher behind bars for 18 to 20 months, saying the sentence must act as a deterrent for these types of cases. Defense wants a conditional sentence in addition to the 90-day mandatory minimum for sexual exploitation served on weekends. They are uh, in disagreement simply on the question of whether or not 
the jail term can be served conditionally in the community or whether it needs to be served in jail. Fisher was a decorated member of the VPD on the force for 29 years. He served on the counter-exploitation unit. Both women he kissed, he met as teens. They were involved in other criminal cases as witnesses. During the sentencing hearing, his lawyer said the court should be cautious in accepting the victim impact statement of the second victim as she has a history of lying. It was disappointing to see uh, the defense try to discredit one of the victims. Um, it's a fairly typical defense strategy in sexual assault cases. Defense said of the 17-year-old girl Fisher kissed on three occasions, he genuinely cared about her, wanted to get her out of the sex trade and off drugs. He said it was never about sex, but about closeness and intimacy. Overall, the minimizing of the behavior um, is problematic by the defense and the Crown made very strong submissions about um, the gravity of his actions. Earlier in the hearing, Fisher apologized, saying he is ashamed and embarrassed by what he did. His 25-year-old daughter addressed the court Monday, saying her dad is her best friend and without him she would be lost. The Crown is uh recognizes the court has a difficult task ahead of it. Sentencing is a very difficult task. Fisher will be back in court for sentencing on July 23rd. Jill Bennett, Global News. Well, the costs are adding up to repair a reoccurring and rather large sinkhole. It's been several weeks now since the road hazard originally opened up near downtown Prince George, cutting off two lanes of traffic. It's the fourth time in as many years this has happened at the intersection of Winnipeg and Kearney Streets. City staff believe the cause of this sinkhole is either a damaged stormwater pipe or manhole, and fixing it will be costly. We're going to be in the hundreds of thousands right now. Like we don't know, we know for just for the step, but we don't know beyond that because we don't know the repair and that. So we, we know at this point we're, we're going to be in that, you know, over, certainly over 100,000 or more for sure. The city estimates the work will take six to eight weeks to complete. Premier John Horgan announcing today a new Crown Corporation for public construction projects. The Patella Bridge will be the first project built under the Community Benefit Agreement, which will prioritize unions, local, indigenous women and apprentice workers. Ted Jernecki now on why critics say this new model misses the mark and will only drive up costs. So, plasma table, let's okay, see. Okay, let's... What better place to talk about building B.C. skilled trade workforce than at the B.C. Institute of Technology? And that's where the Premier announced a brand new Crown Corporation, B.C. Infrastructure Benefits, or B.C.I.B. Its mission to make sure more women, Indigenous workers, and even the disabled where possible get a fair chance to work on the many mega tax-funded projects on the horizon. Certainly we want to make sure we're building what we need where we need it, but we want to make sure we're building what we need where we need it with people from the region and training the next generation of skilled workers. Today the Premier also announced the contract to replace the Patella Bridge is now open for tender. Whoever gets the job will have to set a goal of 25% of the workforce being made up of apprentices. Qualified trades workers, especially women and Aboriginals who live in the area, should be given priority as deemed by this new Crown Corporation. We're concerned that we're creating a new Crown Corporation, adding another layer of bureaucracy and effectively using taxpayer dollars to skew the uh, procurement process in favour of the traditional building trades units, which have been long-time supporters of, of, uh, of this government. 
This is hardly cutting-edge thinking, say the critics. The private sector, it says, is proving itself very capable of training young workers. It points to Site C, where 80% of the workforce is made up of British Columbians. Uh, you know what? On all of the other projects, it was 99, 100% from British Columbia. Uh, apprentices on, these, on, on Site C, less than 2%. How can you assure that these projects aren't going to balloon over budget because of this? Well, the advantage we've seen historically on uh, project agreements like, for example, the Allied Hydro agreements that were brought in by WAC Bennett back in the day made sure that we built projects, pr provincial projects, on time and on budget. We had a fixed labor pool. We had fixed contracts, no strike provisions. Those are the types of things that keep projects on track. Independent contractors claim 85% of BC construction workers do not belong to building trade unions. This announcement, they argue, caters to the 15% who do. Ted Chernacki, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, how much of a surprise is it that the NDP created another Crown Corporation? Well, I didn't see a Crown Corporation coming, but certainly this model was tried before by the NDP in the 1990s, and it was used to build the Island Highway project over here just north of Victoria. It was controversial at the time. Critics said it came in over budget as a result, uh, but it's going to be applied to other projects as well. I've compiled a list of some significant uh, projects going forward. First of all, the Site C Dam, obviously already under construction. That'll likely fit into this new model as well. Uh, the new Patello Bridge replacement project that Ted mentioned is also going to be the first uh, project under this new model. Uh, the Broadway subway line, of course, uh, still not close to starting construction there, but eventually when shovels are in the ground, this model will be used to staff that uh, project as well, as will be the Surrey Light Rail line when that starts probably around the same time. So those are the public sector projects going forward that will be captured by the new model. I added two more projects, though, Sophie, to give an indication of how much jobs we're talking about. These are not going to be covered by this new model, but the LNG Canada project, if it goes ahead in Kitimat, will likely employ thousands of people, as will the Kinder Morgan Pipeline expansion project, if it goes ahead, you add it all together, Sophie, no matter who's doing the hiring, whether they're union, indigenous, women, or apprentices, there are literally going to be tens of thousands of construction jobs going forward, both in the private sector and the public sector in the years to come. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry reporting for us tonight. But first, heart-stopping footage of an encounter with a grizzly bear that was too close for comfort. A rafting tour in Squamish heading down the Ilaho River when the bear suddenly charged into the water and it was all caught on video. Kristen Robinson has more on what happened. Rafting on the Ilaho River near Squamish. Already a wild ride. Throw in some wildlife after running through the rapids, and it becomes a heart-stopping adventure. Uh, we'd come across an elk carcass on an island that had been there uh, for the last couple weeks. Uh, and then all of a sudden, this little, uh, probably three-year-old grizzly bear peeked up from behind a stump. And uh, his ears went forward, and his paws were up, and he looked at my raft, looked at the raft behind me, and then looked at our safety kayaker, and didn't even hesitate, went straight for the safety kayaker. Guide Dave Hugel capturing this video as the young grizzly charged. Yeah, he definitely looked, like I said, looked at me, looked at the raft behind me and had this look like they're too big. I'm going after that guy. I can, I can handle him. In 15 years of challenging the Ilaho, this was a first for the adventure group. Even experts say they've never seen a grizzly charge a kayak before. It's either perceive you as food and he's hunting, that is very, very rare. 
uh, if a bear perceives you as a threat, he could uh, bluff charge you or charge you to um, make sure he communicates well that he doesn't want you in the area. While the grizzly's swim caused paddling panic, the safety kayaker got away downstream. Really special experience to uh, witness that and see nature at its best. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Oh, there they are, there they are. Wow, oh. And how's this for a battle? These grizzly bears showing a black bear who's boss. It was all caught on camera by an Alberta man traveling between Grand Prairie and Grand Cache. The man said the black bear had been eating an animal carcass near the side of the road when the four grizzlies came out of the woods chasing the black bear away. The man behind the camera had actually seen the grizzlies hovering around the prey earlier and said he expected them to come back for it, so he whipped out his phone. Growing concern tonight for the safety of pets in Alder Grove. It comes after yet another incident involving a cat shot by a pellet gun. Catherine Urquhart has more on where it happened and what pet owners need to know. I woke up to, oh my God, mom, he's bleeding, he's bleeding, they shot him. It was a disturbing realization for Danielle Hagen. Her four-year-old cat, Kratos, had been shot with a pellet gun. I was so horrified that someone would do something like that. Um in a family neighborhood where everybody's kind of looks out for everybody's kids, animals, whatever. Danielle's son David discovered the injured pet early this morning in their Brookswood neighborhood. And I felt something hard in his fur and it was wet too, like really wet. I showed mom and then I realized what it was, that it was a pellet bullet. Last year, another pet owner reported her cats had been shot in the same neighborhood. News of the latest shooting, not a huge surprise to the BCSPCA. It's not a joke. Um, these uh, pellet guns cause painful injuries to an animal, and it's something we take extremely seriously at the BCSPCA. Danielle has since removed the pellet, and Kratos is recovering well. The shooting has been reported to the Langley Animal Protection Society, Danielle encouraging other pet owners to be vigilant. People, even if they don't have animals, we look out for each other. So, you know, they'll keep their eyes open and make sure that they're watching out for other people's pets too. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A rocky start to one of the biggest shopping days of the year, Amazon Prime Day. So many people trying to take advantage of deals that the website actually crashed. Jolyn Kent has the latest. Go. Tonight, Amazon not quite primed for its much-anticipated day of sales. The online shopping giant site crashing just minutes into its 36 hours of deep discounts. We got exclusive access into Amazon's Prime Day war room earlier this month, where they said everything was under control. This is like our Super Bowls. But instead of products, people saw apology puppies. Shoppers outraged about the glitch, pointing out the company had a year to prep. Some glad they're saving money. Amazon saying they're working to resolve the issue quickly. The slow start could threaten the estimated $3.6 billion Amazon's expected to rake in on Prime Day alone. What does an outage do to Amazon's overall business on Prime Day? Every minute literally counts for Amazon being down on Amazon Prime Day. They're literally losing millions of dollars the longer that the site stays down. The overall Amazon effect isn't all bad news for competitors, who saw their sales jump 35% on Prime Day last year. Some may end up taking advantage of the glitch. Target, Walmart, and eBay rolling out their own low prices, hoping to entice those without Prime. Jolene Kent, NBC News, New York.
And getting along with Russia is a good thing, not a bad thing. U.S. President Donald Trump sitting down for almost two hours with Russian President Vladimir Putin earlier today. The two leaders choosing neutral ground for their face-to-face -face meeting in Helsinki, Finland. Topics ranged from trade to Syria, but for many, it was what wasn't said that was the problem. Putin completely denied Russia's meddling in the 2016 election, and it appears the U.S. president is standing beside him, angering many back home. The two leaders spent over two hours alone. No advisors, not even note-takers, just translators, engaged in what President Trump described as direct, open, deeply productive dialogue. A dialogue that included interference in the 2016 presidential election. President Trump, despite documented evidence from multiple U.S. intelligence agencies, still refusing to blame the Russians. They think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. The comments sparked immediate outrage in Washington. Online, Democrat Adam Schiff calling them cowardly and shameful. Republican Jeff Flake adding, this is shameful. And former CIA director John Brennan calling the president's performance nothing short of treasonous. During the roughly four hours of talks, the leaders apparently discussed arms control, Syria and Crimea. But those issues seem lost in a post-summit briefing that saw the president repeatedly defending his election victory, raising questions about Hillary Clinton's server and emails, and lashing out against the ongoing Russia investigation. And I say it all the time, uh, there was no collusion. We ran a brilliant campaign, and that's why I'm president. Both leaders leaving the summit calling it a success. President Trump suggesting the two should meet again, and in his words, often. Jay Gray, NBC News. Helsinki. Well, this is something you have to see to believe. Mother Nature's fury on full display after a fire NATO was caught on camera. That is nuts. Well, that? these people better get moving. Falling out of the sky. That's what that is. I was like, look at it, honey. This fire along the Colorado River in California spreading with such gusto that it created a weather system all its own. A tendril-like funnel whirls over the lake as a boat speeds away just in time. The couple who caught it all saying they could feel the power as it sucked logs and debris up into the sky. Well, it's an incredible story of survival. Family and friends thought all hope had been lost after an Oregon woman wasn't heard from for a week. Turns out that woman lost control of her car and plunged down a rocky cliff. She beat the odds, not only surviving the 20-story fall, but also days on the deserted beach. And her luck didn't stop there. It was a miracle Angela Hernandez walked away from her Jeep after plunging 250 feet off a cliff. Then she clung to life for a week. We just found word that my sister was found. Hernandez was driving the coast in Big Sur when she crashed onto the rocky beach below. I was still in my car and I could feel water rising over my knees, she writes on Facebook. Seriously injured, Hernandez used her wits to find water. She actually found a hose from the vehicle and used that as a straw to drink water from a natural spring nearby. Finally, on day seven... I heard a faint cry for help. Hernandez saw hikers Chelsea and Chad Moore. She said that she woke up that morning and knew it was going to be a good day. Firefighters hoisted Hernandez to safety. 
I'm so happy. I'm so happy. The Hernandez family is thankful she's alive and grateful for new friends made in the most unlikely of places. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. A lava bomb hit a tour boat in Hawaii, injuring 23 people. It happened near the Kilauea volcano on Hawaii's Big Island. Molten rock running into the ocean exploded, sending chunks of lava into the air and onto the Lava Ocean Tours boat, smashing a basketball-sized hole in the boat's roof and raining smaller rocks onto the deck. Thirteen passengers were treated in hospital. Another ten passengers had superficial injuries. Incredibly, no one was killed. In Health Matters tonight, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has issued a recall for a popular brand of berries, frozen berries, because of possible salmonella contamination. The recall includes the 600-gram and 2-kilogram packages of Europe's best field berry mixes, with a range of best-before dates falling in May 2020. The frozen fruit has been sold in stores across the country. So far, no illness has been reported. If you have that product in your freezer, you should toss it out or take it back to your place of purchase. Well, if you found yourself daydreaming about summer days at the beach on this Monday, there's good reason for it. Turns out the ocean actually makes us happier. A new study found those who live by the coast have better physical and mental health than those who don't. The research also shows people who live in homes with ocean views are calmer. Scientists say the ocean actually changes the frequency of our brain waves, putting people into a mild meditative state. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. People are flocking to Queen Elizabeth Park for a chance to catch a glimpse and a whiff of a rare plant. Horticulture enthusiasts have been waiting for the corpse flower to bloom for weeks, and now that wait is over. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the smelly flower only comes out every few years, meaning it's worth it to stand in line, uh, though you may want to plug your nose. The lineups at the Bloedel Conservatory in Queen Elizabeth Park this morning, almost as impressive as what they've come to see. So we're going to go in through the back way and we're just going to uh, take a look at the corpse flower from the back side. The six foot tall corpse flower is doing something it may only achieve four times in the course of its 40 year lifespan. It's blooming. But it's so pretty, isn't it? It is so beautiful. I think it's exceptionally beautiful. It's unusual. It's not like any other flower in the world. Of course, the corpse flower is about more than looks. It gets its macabre name from the way it smells. When I came in this morning at 6 and got in the door, you knew something dead was in here. Like, it just, the whole place smelled like dead rats. But the intensity of the odor, designed to lure pollinators that are attracted to rotting flesh, isn't as intense as expected. Perhaps because at a youthful six years of age, Uncle Fester, as it has been dubbed, shouldn't be blooming at all. We were kind of looking forward to smelling it, and I have to admit, I, I can't, I'm not really smelling anything. However, the flies are smelling it, maybe that's what's important, that they're going in there and doing their job. Truly putrid or not, those who stood in line for up to an hour and a half weren't disappointed, mostly. My wife was interested, and I went along. It's absolutely worth it. He didn't want to come. He had lots to do. I said, you want to go to Sumatra to see this or come here? Pretty unusual. We don't, we don't get this kind of thing very often, right? It's, it's fabulous. Um, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and we wanted to see the stinky flower, didn't we, buddy? The bloom will last for as many as 36 hours. Then it will close and droop, 
like in this time-lapse video out of Chicago. After that, a long nap underground to regain its strength before blooming again. If we're lucky, in a minimum, maybe two to three years, but more than likely it could be five, five years, seven years, or ten years. It will all depend on what it wants to do. It's got a mind of its own. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The nerve of this guy. He's literally going one mile per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone. An unusual pursuit in Florida. The culprit that just wouldn't give this deputy the right of way right after Christie's forecast. All right, Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at that forecast. But before we get to it, it's not a double rainbow, but no. it's something pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. It's a rainbow in the clouds, Sophie. I love it when um, people send us photos. So this isn't uncommon. Uh, we do see this sometimes in the wispy part of a cloud. Some people call it a fire rainbow just because of the look of the fireiness of the uh, clouds there. But basically, the light from the sun is being refracted off of the water droplets in that thin layer of cloud. An interesting fire uh, rainbow. Check this out. A photo also from Kamloops of a rainbow in the smoke near uh, the Kamloops fire there or uh, near Kamloops and you can see that it has reflected off of the tiny particles or potentially some moisture in behind the uh, smoke but still great shots thanks for sending us those now we're talking heat heat warnings still in place for all of the south coast really lower mainland and in particular the Fraser Canyon Okanagan uh, region as well as the West Kootenai where we had record-breaking conditions nine of them across the province here were the hottest spots trails 38.8, Pemberton 37.5, Nelson 37.4, and Port Alberni 34.8. So incredible heat today. Tomorrow we'll see a little bit of a reprieve, but it'll still be hot. So for the lower mainland, we'll start to really feel that relief Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But if you're in the interior, expect the relief to happen actually through your weekend, where you'll drop down to about 25 degrees come Saturday. But all areas will rebound, and we have no rain in the forecast except for those of you across the north where another wave of showers will push across the region bringing in a risk of thunderstorms but it extends as far south as Williams Lake. Other than that it's hot, it's dry, it'll be a little bit more comfortable in the coming days but still no rain. So there's your forecast for northern regions. The bulk of the rainfall across the north coast further inland partly cloudy just a chance of a shower and a risk of thunderstorms but then south we are going to see one more very hot day before we start to feel that relief, especially across the south coast. So still up to 30 degrees away from the water tomorrow, but finally a little bit more comfortable, especially at night come Wednesday night where temperatures will drop because even at night as the temperatures begin to drop to about 16, we don't feel that until the early morning hours. A great shot from Vancouver. Joey Wesley sent us this. I would say that says summer. Does it ever? All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Now back to that hazard on the road in Florida. Guys, easily 100. You shouldn't be out on the roadways to begin with. I tried to talk to him and he snapped at me. Clearly, Deputy Brian Bowman has a good sense of humor crawling along behind this guy, a slow-moving tortoise for about 20 minutes until it finally turned off took its exit into a wooded area, ensuring everyone was safe. That's pretty funny. The audacity to snap at, at him. At he, said, um, he said, people always drive so slow when I'm behind them. <laughs> they do to they me do. too, it seems like. Well, you see, a, you see a, a police cruiser and you just want to 
Right. Take it easy. I mean, you always want to drive safe. I was just going to say, you always, always want to drive be safe. safe. Always yeah. be safe. Always be safe. Oh, if only you could see the bottom half of it. he's in his shorts. Says who? I, know. I got I pants mean. on? Well, half pants. Okay, anyway. <laughs> You're allowed. Really? You're allowed. Really, you two? It's a really? good look. I like it. Give it's it really. <laughs> it's warm out, right? So mm-hmm. it's okay. warm out. Justify. Yeah, there you go. Oh my goodness. We match though, so that's nice. Not bad. It looks good. My wife gives me a hard time because sometimes, I, well, in the, we used to work together on the weekend morning. We did. Get dressed in the morning in the darkness, and sometimes you show up at work <laughs> like, did I really pick up that shirt and tie to go with that jacket? Or you wear like the wrong colored shoes, mismatched shoes to work. Sometimes? I've done the different socks. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're good right now, though. All right, what's going on? A little bit of sports for you. A quick turnaround and a slightly different focus for the Vancouver Whitecaps, who kick off the semifinal round of the Amway Canadian Championship Wednesday in Montreal. Caps are coming off that 3-1 loss to D.C. United in Washington on the weekend. Finding fresh legs a priority for Carl Robinson and his side who constantly seem to be on the road these days. They play in Montreal on Wednesday, in Seattle on Saturday, before returning home to B.C. Place a week Wednesday. Well, there's always another game, especially in this period. We know we've got a difficult run uh, of Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and hopefully Wednesday, Saturday again. So uh, there'll be some freshness in the team. I'll see how the guys are tomorrow. There'll be a couple of changes uh, because they deserve to play. They've been training very hard. Obviously, we'll have our Canadian quota in, which is always positive as well. Um, But it'll be an opportunity for players to perform. Uh, At the beginning of the year, we made it a goal of ours to try to get the Canadian Cup. Um, You know, that's... It's one of the three trophies that we can get this year, and we're really going to be gunning for it, and we're really excited to get out there and play. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a bit different from the MLS play, but uh, we're, we're excited. It's a good opportunity for a lot of young players to get some time on the field that haven't been, um, and some seasoned pros that haven't been getting a lot of time. So, it, again, it's a, it's a great opportunity for all of us. Um, but first and foremost, it's a championship. It's the Canadian Championship, and you want all rights to call yourself uh, the best team in Canada. Just a few fans out, out and about for the World Cup parade in Paris. Actually, they may have never left after France's 4-2 win over Croatia in yesterday's World Cup final. Exact figure as to how many people turned out today wasn't given. They just said hundreds of thousands. Um, How do you count them all? Uh, How do you count them all? Looks like the entire country and then some. Eternal happiness was the headline of the newspaper this morning. Tomorrow's going to be Sea of Humanity bathes all of France. Mm -hmm. Impressive, huh? Such a sight. It is. Other than that, a pretty clean start at Farinas VK. No contact. Oh, Oh, goal! Huge wreck. One driver up and huge wreck in Pro Mazda coming into the braking zone. Someone went hard over top, missed the braking zone completely. We got a driver upside down. They went off the racetrack in turn number three. That driver got Yep, that is a car. That's Harrison Scott getting airborne at the Honda Indy Toronto. This was from the Pro Mazda Championship Series. It was the support race. He was doing about 120 miles an hour. That's his car right there. Only injury he suffered was a scrape to his hand. Got out of the car and walked away. Amazing stuff. Marine Drive uh, Golf Club is set to host this year's Canadian Women's Amateur Championship. It's the 105th Canadian Women's Amateur. handful of BC golfers are capable of winning, but it won't be easy. Our national championship is one of the most popular amateur golf tournaments drawing world-class talent from not just North America, but all over the globe. When it comes to championship trophies in Canada, few are older than the Canadian Ladies Golf Challenge Cup. 
Next week at Marine Drive, a full field of 156 female golfers will be trying to get their hands on this most coveted cup. Well, you know, this field is, uh, it's, it's probably as high an amateur field as has uh, been put together anywhere. Uh, we have three of the top ten uh, female uh, women in the world uh, playing in the event. We've got uh, the full Canadian amateur uh, team. We've got the uh, uh, Canadian development team playing. I mean, we just ha really have uh, a showcase of women's golf from all over the world. BC is well represented on the tee. Victoria's Naomi Coe has finished top 10 of the Canadian women's amateur in back-to-back -back years. Last year, she was third. Coe is also part of a strong Team Canada squad. I've noticed that during the past couple of years, the competition has definitely gotten harder and harder, and it's really good because it promotes women's golf. So I think with the Canadian women's amateur being here at such a nice golf course and having even the fans out here, they we have a lot of people come out and watch, and I would say it's the most I ever get um, during my whole summer season, so it's really nice to have that kind of crowd. I just finished my first year at Oregon State, so I had the college golf experience, and then coming here and playing with some of the best in the world is gonna be a big deal, because they're coming from everywhere. So it's like half the field is international, so I wouldn't even say it's like a national championship, it's almost like global at this point. Golf Canada received a record 241 applicants from 13 countries wanting to play at Marine Drive, where fans can come watch free of charge. Practice rounds in the opening ceremony go Monday, July 23rd, with the final round in champion crowned on Friday, July 27th. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Ended the second. Oh, nice catch. Young lady. I didn't say glove or oh, no glove. Oh, no glove. A pro, yeah, that's like high five worthy. So from then some, who needs the glove? Colorado Rockies need to sign her up. Did not lose a single nacho chip or spill any of the sauce. Nice. Catch of the week coming from Coors Field yesterday. And she's still holding on to her nachos while she's high-fiving everyone. Look at that. Huh? Job well done. Coming up on ET Canada, a season three preview of The Crown and music news from Mandy Moore. Plus, Henry Cavill and the subtleties of fighting Tom Cruise on the big screen. That's coming up at seven right after the news hour. Back to you, Sophie. Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, it's not quite SkyTrain or LRT or anything exactly like that, but a Vancouver Island man has found a new way to ride the rails. The retiree developed a way to travel along the unused railway tracks through his community. Kylie Stanton reports he's hoping others will get on board. It's got two skateboard wheels. One piece at a time, this project started rolling. And just like that, an old idea is new again. Quite a few of these have been built since 1950, so thought I'd give it a shot. This is known as the Bentley bike. There we go. Made up of pieces of wood linked together by steel, much like the track it rides on, and the source of Russell Ramsden's inspiration. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get some use out of this rail bed that's sitting here? I mean, it's been seven years. Seven years since the old ENN railway stopped carrying passengers along its route up and down Vancouver Island. As bureaucrats debated what to do with it, the network continued to deteriorate, now left largely overgrown and unfit for service. In some areas, there's a fair bit of broom on the But track. not even that can stop this former college woodworking instructor from getting things back on track. You just kind of have to get off and push ahead. With a rail bed at only a 1% grade, it's an easy but slow ride, which Ramston says is the beauty of the experience. It's not a speed race. It's very relaxing, though. 
no traffic. But there could be a roadblock up ahead. The railway is owned by the Island Corridor Foundation, which still runs the odd maintenance vehicle on the line and claims safety along the tracks is always a concern. Ramsden admits he has yet to make the group aware of his venture. You know, sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. I just thought it was a shame to see this track not in use when it's, uh, it's really the backbone of the whole island. And so for now, he rolls on, hoping someday others will jump on board with his idea. I'd like to see something done with it. I mean, I think it's a terrific uh, potential here. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Parksville. Hmm. One way to get around. Yeah. Well, good for him. All right. uh, Final word on the weather during this. It's not a heat wave. It's a heat warning. (laughs) Right. Well, it's kind of a heat wave. It's a warning that there's heat going on, but it is a heat wave, I would say, as well. It's a wave of unofficial something. It is, certainly. Uh, So yesterday and today really were the hottest days. Tomorrow will also be hot, but not quite as uh, hot as what we saw today. Wednesday's when you'll finally feel the relief, and that will happen also on Wednesday night. You know what would be good is if we had a friend with a pool. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot you had a pool. The Jay, turtle pool? Coming over. All three of us in the turtle pool? <laughs> <laughs> we're in. The slip and slide. All right, have a great night, everyone.